0: It's January, and I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all are going dry. Don't get me wrong, what I mean is that you are not drinking for this entire month. Am I right? Well, not me. (laughs) Oh! Wow, that was yummy! (laughs) What you just heard was me and my guest this week, my homie Juan Camilo, cracking open a can of beer, but not just any beer. This beer was made by Juan, the founder of Dykeman Beer Company. What's Dykeman?
1: So Dykeman is actually a street in Upper Manhattan, the uh, dividing line between Washington Heights and Inwood, which are the two most northern neighborhoods. I think, uh, you know, for us uh, Hispanic Dominican folks, that's kind of where, you know, our culture shines as far as like the very first restaurants that we opened, uh, a lot of the nightlife, et cetera. So, you know, it has a few different uh, different meanings, uh, but it's, uh, it's a beer company that, you know, pretty much represents um, the two northern neighborhoods of Manhattan.
0: Have you all ever heard of a Dominican craft brewery? Yeah, me neither. So, when I found out about Juan and Dykeman beer, I knew I had to talk to him. Last week, we heard from my pal Justine bell right all about decolonizing wine. And this week, is all about beer, y'all. So, grab yourself a brew, a brewski, whatever you call it, a non-alcoholic one if you're doing the dry January thing, and listen as I chat with Juan how he went from brewing his own beer at home to opening the first and only Dominican-owned beer company in New York City. And... He'll even tell us about some of his secret recipes. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough. Stories between black and white. Cheers, y'all.
2: This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: Juan Camilo was born in the Dominican Republic, where my pops is from. He came to the United States when he was five years old and grew up between Washington Heights and the Bronx, where there's a large population of Dominicans. So for this episode, we had to use some Dominican percussion in the background. So, Manolo, hit those beats. (laughs) ¶¶ You know that I'm Dominican as well. Of course. What's your favorite food dish? Oh,
1: God, so many. (laughs) So many. I mean, I would have to say pollo guisado, which is, um, you know, a classic. And clearly throw platano maduros in there because the good ones, not like the, you know, the bad ones? Like, the ones that are not, like, super maduro. You like, you like, you like sweet. I like the, su- yeah, I have yeah. a sweet too, so definitely you need some, uh, <laughs> platano maduros. And clearly, you know, that Dominican rice with, like, just enough,
0: like... Oh, the crunch? The, the crispy?
1: Clearly, a cuncun, that's what we mm-hmm. call it. But yeah, I think uh, that's my favorite uh, traditional dish. Just, uh, you know, something that I grew up
0: eating <laughs> every day, basically. ¶¶ What do you love about Dominican culture and how has it influenced beer? You know, we're just a unique mashup of European,
1: African, uh Daino, and you can hear that in our music, you can see that in our food, in the words that we use. Uh, you know, it's really uh it's really interesting. So for me, really, you know, my goal was to translate our culture into craft beer you know I knew that uh, the beer that kind of represents us at the moment you know the green bottle uh, is (laughs) not it's not dynamic enough uh, to actually put us out there as a people so I knew there was a niche especially with craft you know just uh, getting extremely popular and I know that I can translate more about culture into craft beer or through craft beer and kind of tell that story
0: why beer like when did you have your first beer what did it click Uh, he was like eight (laughs) I know,
1: right? I mean, you know, those little sips when you're little. (laughs) No, uh, you know, my parents, uh, I actually didn't see my parents have beer until they had my beer, believe it or not. Your parents? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very... Their first beer
0: was when they had your beer? Yeah,
1: I would say they're very conservative folks. It's not like they're they're against drinking, but I got to be honest, I never saw my parents, you know, be like that. If anything, I had like my grandfather and like uncles and stuff probably drinking a little bit more. But, uh, I mean, as far as before I even got started with this, I used to actually make beer as a hobby, um, you know, on my own. I had a one-gallon kit, and just the way I churn my own butter, I think it's (laughs) kind of just my curiosity.
0: Side note, Juan makes his own butter, too, and I'm kind of obsessed with this fact. It's not out on the market yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's out soon. He's like the Dominican Martha Stewart, and I love it. He picked up these hobbies while he was working in investment banking. His day job paid pretty well, but he found it kind of boring. It didn't make him feel like he was contributing much. And Juan is an entrepreneur at heart. He likes trying new things, starting stuff, looking for opportunities. And after a couple of years of brewing his own beer at home, he felt like his next opportunity might be right under his nose.
1: Uh, I think what kind of put a fire under me was when I read a, um... An article about craft beers in New York City, and I actually still have the article. It's AM New York, October 30th, 2013. And in the front cover, it said craft beer in New York City, and it had the five boroughs. And, you know, had the obvious ones, Brooklyn Brewery, you know, a few other ones. And literally for the island of Manhattan, they just cut off northern Manhattan. Hmm. To me, it was the most obvious business idea. I, I felt I knew enough about beer to kind of get started. But that's kind of what what kind of sparked Dykeman Beer. I'm like, wow, how cool would it be if we could have um, kind of a Latino craft beer company that comes out of the quintessential Hispanic neighborhood known as Washington Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really how I got the idea uh, and kind of put a fire in my ass to pursue this venture.
0: So you say that article because that was your like tipping point. Like you read it and it would just click. Yeah, it clicked. I
1: mean, like any idea, you kind of sit on it for like three months and you're like, well, wow. and I think with every every step that I took as far as kind of uh researching what it take what it takes to make beer commercially, um, and a few things, I felt a little bit more assured of myself that I think I could do this, you know. So I think uh kind of the discovery part of it took uh, you know, maybe three to six months. Um, But once I kind of said to myself, hey, I'm committed to making this happen, I did it fairly fast. I think in in six months I had my first product out, which is the Dykeman Brew Pilsner.
0: The Dykeman Brew Pilsner is Juan's flagship beer. I love a Pilsner, y'all. It's my absolute favorite. So I was hyped when he brought a couple cans to the studio the day we talked. I tried a little and it was crisp, clean, flavorful, perfect for a hot summer day.
1: Once I actually had the product, I started with literally one account, which is like a friend of a friend's bar. Um, and then I would say within like four or five months, I had about 15 accounts. And I was actually like, uh, <laughs> I was literally doing sales like sometimes after work, doing deliveries on the weekend. And uh, one time, <laughs> I actually broke my fingers <laughs> delivering a delivering a keg. And that's when I knew I had to break. I had to leave my job because I'm like, this is ridiculous. So it was a culmination of many things <laughs> that led me to do it. I mean, you know, it's tough to kind of cut that umbilical cord and kind of take that leap of faith. Uh, but I, I thought I had enough traction there to actually make it happen.
0: Now, Juan is full time Dykeman beer. His beer is sold in nearly 100 stores, bars, and restaurants. And last summer, Yankee Stadium, yes, that Yankee Stadium, started carrying his pilsner. Now, that is what I call Dominican hustle. What is the journey from your first bottle to Yankee Stadium? Like, as a business owner, as a young brewer, just what are some of the struggles you faced? And... Yeah. What's the hustle like?
1: Oh, goodness. It's
0: like so many.
1: (laughs) It's on so many different levels. Uh, I mean, it's a huge barrier of entry just to get into this business. Uh, You know, you need the capital. You need uh, the knowledge. uh, You need... Uh, other stakeholders, like an actual brewery, you need a distributor to get So you it didn't have
0: it. your own brewery at first?
1: Yeah, correct. I mean, I actually still don't, um, but I, I hope that, you know, in a year from now or two, you and I will be doing the, uh, the podcast in my brewery uh, uptown. Um, I started contracting, uh, so I... Uh, when I committed myself to this venture, I mean, I literally went to every state in the East Coast all the way from you know New Hampshire, Vermont down to down to Georgia and i uh, I downloaded um the every brewers uh list. I had a list of every brewery in that uh, in that state, and I wow. would literally code call them. During lunchtime, I would leave my my job during lunch. I would go across the street to uh, to the park, and I would make it a, you know, a goal to call five to ten breweries every uh, every lunch hour to say what. Hey, my name is Juan. I'm from New York City. I have an idea for you know a Latino craft beer brand, um, and I'm interested in you know making my beers there uh, commercially. And they said. Uh, so I would say out of the two hundred out of the two hundred that I called, you called two hundred. Yeah, I literally called two hundred. I wasn't joking uh, <laughs> when I went to every every state and you know just got the list. Um, I would say I probably heard back from five. Wow. Uh, you know, and I think at that point it was pretty much getting on the road and, you know, visiting those folks and kind of, uh, talking. I mean, you know, the biggest barrier is that I, they knew I didn't do this for a living and it was pre-startup, you know, it was, if anything, I was still, uh, like, you know, in the discovery phase of, uh, of this venture, uh, but I think the first, um, you know, the first barrier is actually having a brewery take you seriously, and make you your product. They also have to believe in you and what you're doing if they're going to take you on as a client.
0: So five people express interest, and then you have to sell them how you you sell them on your knowledge. You're saying like, I give you these ingredients. How do we actually make a uh, beer?
1: Yep. Well, even before we get to that, because I think uh, you know that's uh, that's the easy part. I think you have to sell them on yourself. I mean, I think uh, all of them were, like, anybody sizing me up. When I showed up to a few breweries, people were looking behind me to see (laughs) where the real Juan Camilo is, and I'm like, no, it's actually me. (laughs) They're like, you look like you're 12. I'm like, well, I'm actually 13. (laughs) All right? (laughs) But uh, I think, uh, you know, I think it's having these people actually believe in you and take you on as a prospective brand. Uh, I think the biggest difference as well is kind of just differentiating myself as uh, kind of that Latino craft beer from New York City. So, you know, you put um, an idea, in this case, the Latino craft beer company that hasn't been done. You mix it with a good, strong market like New York City. Uh, And I think that sparked the interest of a few folks.
0: The big way Juan sets himself apart as a brand is by embracing unique Dominican flavors. Take, for example, his uh, Ginola wheat beer. What is chinola for people listening? Uh, yep
1: so chinola is actually passion fruit. Uh so it's a passion fruit wheat beer um you know which is uh my spring and uh and summer ale. You know? Uh and you know even even not only do we have the actual um Flavors, but you know, if you look at a lot of my branding and packaging, we have like a lot of Spanglish in it. So, you Chocolate know, if, con leche. exactly. If we had the Chinola Wheat Beer, I actually, would say Chinola Wheat Beer, and you know, now you have other folks asking, "Hey, what's this stuff?" Uh, which you know, that's kind of the bridge that I that I hope to build as well.
0: Is a bridge between the white folks
1: and, no, and everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, well, basically our culture and really everybody else, you know. It's, uh, como how we say, de, de Santo Domingo pa'l mundo.
0: From Santo Domingo to the world, let's make Dykeman beer international, y'all. Now, ginola is just one of the many Latin-inspired flavors Juan is brewing. Uh, can you tell me about chocolate con leche? First, can you just describe... The, describe the labeling and how you came to it and and mm-hmm. the name and yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so so the chocolate de con leche is our uh, is my winter seasonal. Um, So what inspired that is literally, if you're a Dominican person during, you know, our winter time, (laughs) where it gets like 60, 70 degrees. Uh, I mean, my mom grew up making me literally hot chocolate uh, and literally (laughs) chocolate con leche. So that's what inspired me to make this uh, this winter seasonal. Uh, So this uh, is an actual stout. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a dark beer uh, where the malts are actually melted and toasted. Uh, And in this particular situation, we add cacao uh, from Dominican Republic, Uh, And we actually also add lactose. So it literally has chocolate and it literally has leches. So the lactose, what it actually does, it gives it a—it doesn't change um, the—it doesn't do anything to the flavoring. However, it does change the texture of the beer. So when you have, like, a dark uh, beer and it's, like, very creamy, that means it has
0: a lot of lactose in it. Damn, it's too bad I couldn't taste it. It looked yummy, but, you know, milk gives me those uh, tummy problems. But I bet y'all it tastes bomb. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear some more of the secret recipes Juan is working on to craft his next beer. Stay with us.
2: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy
0: gem of a detour. And we are back with Juan Camilo, founder and owner of Dykeman Beer Company. What is your secret recipe you're working on? Uh... uh... Well, definitely not a secret.
1: I'm extremely open. I'm, you know, I'm not one <laughs> of these folks that hide stuff. Uh, I'm extremely secure. I mean, I have over 200 recipes uh, on my own. Uh, you know, I can share you share with you one of the ones. Wait, you I'm have 200. You're working on? Uh, well, yeah, just recipes that I can dig into and you know, pretty much just make.
0: At this point in the conversation, Juan pulls out his phone. He starts scrolling through a long list of his ideas in his Notes app. As a fellow creative, I knew exactly what was happening. I love my notes app. I write everything down in it. So I knew something juicy was coming. You
1: know, the thing is, uh, you want to be meticulous about it. So, you know, is this going to make a good brand? Can, you know, uh, you're not going to make a beer just to make a beer. You got to tell a story behind it. You know what I mean? So, for example, this one what I'm showing you is my next beer.
0: Oktoberfest.
1: Well, if you read it correctly...
0: Oktoberfest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs>
1: so, you know, it's basically the uptown version of an Oktoberfest, but it's literally just October. Octoberfest. Exactly. You know, that's uh every time I make a a beer, I try to tell a story. Uh so you know, when it comes to an Oktoberfest beer, Stop. I have a few, Tamarindo Shandy. Oh, yes, yes. Hopefully next year. So, so that's good. A shandy is a is a beverage that is half beer, half um, juice, usually lemonade. Um, but in this case, we're gonna be adding some uh, tamarindo in there. Uh, so you know, as you scroll through, you'll see that um, killer wanaba sour ale. Yeah, it's a sour sap, uh, which will be great for a sour beer. Uh, so yeah, like you know, clearly out of the two hundred recipes, I only choose you know, less than a handful every year to actually put, you know, design behind and marketing behind and all that stuff. Who's your beer for? And are you hoping it speaks to anyone in particular? Uh, Well, my beer is definitely for anybody that's just interested in beer. Uh, You know, it's definitely not like, uh, you know, just for Hispanics or Dominicans or anybody that lives uptown. Uh, what I want to definitely do is show off our culture and kind of, uh, you know, just expose people to it the same way you would pass by uh, a Dominican restaurant. Here's a recipe, um, you know, and kind of uh, go in there and kind of see what they have uh, and kind of try something new. I'm hoping uh, that when people see Dykeman beer on the shelf, you know, they're actually interested in, uh, in some kind of different flavor, or just being exposed to something uh, completely new.
0: What are we missing in the beer industry from this lack of diversity? We're missing out on so
1: much more, like, different kinds of beers. My Chinola wheat beer shouldn't be the first one. The chocolate con leche shouldn't be the first one. So what we're missing is actually variety and diversity in flavors and beer. Uh, So that's what we're missing out on. Why are most sort of
0: Latinx Mexican brand did beer so kind of plain? You have your your plain... You know, they say Mexican-style lager. That's the yeah, thing they sell. Yeah, so what is thing. that Mexican-style lager? And why are Tecates and Modelos and, and Presidentes, why are they just always so... Just light and, Yeah, you know... Well, you know, we can't deny that that is the most popular style of beer
1: worldwide. You know, before... Uh, well, first of all, the, the companies control that. You know, if... If they wanted the most popular style of beer in the world to be a stout, like they can actually make that happen. Uh, <laughs> but there's a few things. I mean, definitely that style of beer is a little bit more cost effective to make. So strategically, they're gonna give you something that is just cheaper. Um I think uh, you know, they've definitely taken taken down the happiness uh just to attract um, you know, more drinkers. It's just definitely the uh what everybody when you hear beer, You know, you're not thinking of a stout. You're not thinking of like a wee beer. You're thinking about that classic lager. You know what I mean? So strategically, anybody that wants to be in this game would have to have that style of beer to at the very least appease um, the wider market that's drinking it.
0: I'm not gonna lie, I am a Pilsner person. Like yeah, I, no, I I agree. love it. I think it goes well with so many things Yeah, and so yeah. many times of the year. Of like, course.
1: And that that's why the Dykeman Brew Pilsner is my, you know, my main beer. It's really good. And well, the great thing is that my Pilsner uh goes with everything. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> so it's very uh, you know, I made it strategically in that, but since you're having the beer, as you can see, it's not too happy. It's very easy drinking. Uh, it's not like Super carbonated, so you know it goes down easy. Um, but yeah, I would say it goes well with uh, you know, pollo frito, the fried chicken with uh, chicharrón. Uh, definitely, it is a classic uh lager, uh, but I would say it's just you know, higher ingredients, better quality, you know, even down to like salads, fish, all that stuff. It is, it's a very versatile beer.
0: Sorry, one more question. Difference between a lager and a pilsner? Because yeah, you said it's a classic lager. Uh,
1: yep. So there's two kinds of styles of beer, broadly speaking. Uh, there's a lag lagers and ales. Uh, so within the lager family is the pilsner. So it's actually the same thing. When a lot of people are asking, uh, you and know, so a stout is in the
0: ale or the is in the ale family. Correct.
1: Yeah, pretty much everything besides a lager is in the ale family. So. IPA and the pale ale, red ale. Uh, yeah, everything is a nail uh, besides the lager. And, and what's the,
0: the main distinguishing feature?
1: Yep. So the main distinguishing feature is that lagers are cold fermented and they usually take longer. So for example, my pilsner is actually fermented for about five weeks. Uh, ales they actually only ferment for like nine or ten days. Uh, so there's a big difference even uh, on the production cycle. If I whenever I make my lager,
0: it's a six week. Let me ask you a question. I've always wanted to know: mm-hmm. if you get a beer cold and it gets warm, and you put it back in the fridge, mm-hmm. you can do that, right? Or no? You, pur- can. Mix you can You
1: can't. So I need it from the horse's mouth. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that's called the skunk
1: beer. Um, you could probably only do that once or twice. If you keep doing that over and over, it's going to go bad. But you could do it once. Yeah, of course. If, you know, you have beer in your fridge and then you're going somewhere and, you know, you don't get there until the next day and then you put it back in the fridge, you know, it's not a big deal. But if you keep doing that, it's it's not going to be good.
0: Uh, what's next for you?
1: So, what's next for me? I'll be uh, sending beer to Dominican Republic soon, so cool. which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I found a great distribution partner that covers the whole country, and uh, yeah, just uh, just keep growing, putting out more uh, dynamic recipes out there, like you know what you uh, what you saw. Uh, and what I've been telling you about. And, uh, and you know, clearly the the culmination is definitely having uh, my own brewery uptown where folks can come in and, you know, really experience Dykeman beer.
0: If you are craving Chinola or Café con Leche beer, or even just that bomb-ass pilsner, head to dykemanbeer.nyc to check out Juan's beer. It is the only Dominican beer-owned company in New York City. So go support my boy. Next time, we're switching gears. February is a busy time in Hollywood. We call it pilot season. So we're talking to my friend and actress, Gracie Mercedes, about being the only Afro-Latina cast member on an all-black comedy. Plus, we'll hear from casting director Victor Vasquez about why it's so important for the folks giving out roles in Hollywood to start thinking more creatively. All right, y'all, I'm going to go churn some butter. Peace and love. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producers Manolo Morales, senior producer Abigail Keel, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabrielle Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford, and a special thanks to Brendan Burns and Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to the podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks.
2: Witness Docs from Stitcher.